Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 134. Our Sunday worship service for September 22nd, 2019 is Vision. It is the fifth and final in the series, Loud and Clear. There's something you can do today and tomorrow and from now on to make the dream come true. The journey begins now. So our scripture today, let's say it together. But you be strong and do not lose courage, for there is reward for your work. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that that kind of a quote is very common. There's a lot of hang in there, champ. <laughs> I hate Mondays kind of <laughs> kind of parts of scripture. And there's historical reason for that, right? I mean, the children of Israel, I'm not going to let any cats out of any bags, didn't have it so great. And so there was a lot of times when it was appropriate to tell them, hang in there. Keep working at it. Don't lose heart. Don't lose courage. Be strong in this. Find something to find strength in. It was appropriate for them. And in a very similar way, For the early Christians, it was a similar thing too. Guys, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be work. There are things that you have to do. And I want you to think back, whether or not you're a Bible scholar, you know something about it, and you know that the history of this is that there is no promise that this is going to be easy. There is no promise that your ego is just going to get massaged and it's all going to be exactly what you think. No. Over and over again, the life of a child of God, the spiritual path is a path of challenge, is a path of, okay, here we go. But isn't that really what you want? That's why it's appropriate in so many ways that there's a hang-in part of Scripture, not just for them in history, but for you and me. Hang in there. Every single person who came in this room today, everyone who's watching on the internet, all of that, Everyone you meet is working on something. Maybe we can find a way to carry that, you know what, hang in there. It's going to be okay. Maybe we can find a way to model that, to radiate it in some small way to somebody else. Maybe that's part of why we're here. Now, maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something doesn't add up here because this weird guy in a vest... Stands here every Sunday, usually in a vest. And says something about how, wait a minute, God is already here. There is one presence and one power everywhere in the universe. You don't have to wait for God to show up. God's here. And in fact, waiting for God to show up is part of the problem. And all of that, I say stuff like that all the time. So it might be that there's a little bit of a disconnect when you go, how come he's telling me to hang in there when he often also tells me you don't have to wait for God? Which is it, vest boy? <laughs> boy, sometimes I say something and I hope, boy, there's a nickname I hope doesn't have legs. Um, which is it? Here's the thing that I want you to know. Here is the takeaway from this whole deal. I'm giving it to you early. Obviously, I got more to say, but this is the key to so much. Miracles are mediated by participation. 
Miracles are mediated by participation. Those are some big words in there. Here's what it means. You have to participate in your miracle. You got to go along with it. Let us get done with the idea that God happens to you. Any more than love happens to you, or art happens to you, or beauty happens to you. It doesn't work that way, and you know it. Miracles happen as part of your participation with them. Let us be the kind of people who aren't waiting for our healing to show up. Rather, let us participate in our healing. Now, there are all kinds of places where that can go south. If you don't think that you're worthy of a miracle, well, it short circuits right there. If you don't think that miracles are possible, healing is impossible, it can short circuit there. But we've been around, we talk about this stuff, we think about it a lot. Often for church people, let's say, it's not the agreement part over there where things can go wrong. Often for church people, the part where it goes wrong is they go, well, I know all that, isn't that enough? No, that's half of the battle. The other half is, what are you going to do about it? It's great to believe in healing. It's great to agree with miracles. What are you going to do about it? That's the next step. Can you participate in your miracle? So, if miracles are mediated by participation, if God is already here, now it starts to become a little bit more clear why I would say hang in there. Hang in there, because the time it takes for your miracle is the time it takes for you to be okay with it. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my own life, it has taken me an awful long time to be okay with life that works. Not proud of it, but I'm a human being. Sometimes it has taken me a long time to be okay with the idea of, wait a minute, you love me? It's okay to be loved? Too good to be true, right? You've, you've heard that. It's a ridiculous statement, but you've heard it. However long it takes for you to be okay with your miracle, however long it takes for you to agree with God, that's how long it takes. That's what's being said there. So in other words, the author of that part of Scripture and so many other parts of Scripture just like it is trying to say, it's okay. It might take you a little while to digest this. But just sit with it. Hang in there, and there is reward for your work. You will come to a place where love is okay with you. And even more, you will come to a place where you do something about love. And that's when it will change. But hang in there because, as you know, you can't hurry love. No, you just have to wait. <laughs> Might as well be in the Bible because it's biblically true, you know? You know it because maybe you've had an experience in your life where you tried to force the thing to happen. Come on, show up, do the thing, fix, mend, do it, make it okay right now. And the more you try to force it, was it a couple of weeks ago we talked about how it is when you try to remember someone's name or you try to find your car keys? Everything's like everything. It doesn't work that way. You cannot force your miracle. You cannot force your growth. The agreement between you and God and between you and God into action in your life might take a little bit of time because it is not a work of force. It is a work of love. And love, just like the dude, abides. Love abides. You got to sit in it. You got to be okay with it. So again, I ask you, what's it going to take for you to be okay with love, with miracles? For you to get clear with it. 
Now, this series is called Loud and Clear because those are two parts of the equation. If you want a life that works, be loud. Loud is the action phase. Do something about it. You hear me talk about it all the time. We pick up trash. We do things. Get loud. But that's half of it. You know a lot of church people that are very loud and also very irritating. <laughs> it's not just about loud. That is the chicken with the head cut off department of life, and we've all had enough of that. The other end of the equation is be clear. Be centered on something. Have some kind of a sense of certainty about something. You don't have to know everything. You can't know everything. That's kind of the nature of everything is that it goes on forever. But find a place of clarity. Clarity. Some people are really good at loud. Some people are really good at clear where they go off on their retreats and they navel gaze and they do all that. And that's great. But if you're not doing anything in the world, who cares? Sorry, but who cares? Not all that sorry. You want a life that works, get loud and get clear. And for most of us, that feels about right. I have both of those things. In our culture, we're very good at loud. You got a problem in your life, go do a thing, buy a thing, take this medication, put this patch on, wear this hat, buy this thing. And five easy payments, we're good at loud. Culturally, we're not trained so well for clear. Now, I find myself, when I do coaching, when I do prayer work with people, when I mentor and that kind of thing, one of the things that comes up is I'll say something like this because it is a fundamental principle, and a lot of people go, oh, no, I'm clear. I know what I want. I got this. Not a problem. Next thing. That's usually when I get up and get another cup of coffee. Because the thing is, I don't blame anybody. Clear, clear is difficult. We're not trained for it, as I said. People say, I know what I want. If I won the lottery, for example, I know exactly what I would do, and I got it all mapped out. I just get to do whatever I want. You know, that kind of a thing. But what you, I mean, how many TV shows are about people that won the lottery, and now they're in real trouble? <laughs> when your college loans came in, you were a jerk for a while. Um, it's not just that. And I know it's not just that because... I went to a very holy place called Disney <laughs> the other day. And I got to say, I was walking around. We were with some friends and, and just really had a nice time. It's just a beautiful thing. You know, I go all the time. It's kind of a thing for me. I know it's not for everybody, but I love it. But I was looking around at all the people, and I thought to myself, you know, this is like a little compressed version of what it would be like if you won the lottery. Because in this place, you get to do basically whatever you want. There's no meetings. You can eat crazy stuff from all over the world now, from all over the galaxy, because Star Wars is open. And yes, I own a lightsaber. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. The happiest place on earth and all of that, right? No agenda. You don't have to do anything. Beautiful. It's a compressed version of what it would be like if you rubbed the genie's lamp and you got to call the shots. And yet, if you walk around one of the Disney parks, you can see laughter and merriment and happiness. And you can also see families on the verge of calling Dr. Phil. You know exactly what I mean. You can see the, the parents walking 50 yards in front of the kids and everyone's crying. You can see the moment of, I am going to make you happy if I have to make you miserable doing it. 
you can see the dads, and it's almost always dads with a whole lot of pocket literature sticking out of the back pockets, and there's maps, and there's agendas, and there's drawings. It looks like Dr. Gene Scott was making the, making the diagram of what was going to happen. Look up Dr. Gene Scott later. Anyway, it seems to me that people aren't always so clear. If that's any indication. But what I walked away from it with is, you know, there's no winning Disney. You don't win. You know, that's not what it's for. It's not an endurance event, although it feels like that. But that's up to you. If you decide you're going to try to win, then Epcot actually stands for every person comes out tired. <laughs> but it's a choice. It's a choice, you know what I mean? The idea is you can decide, if I'm going to try to win this, you can make everyone miserable and you won't win. Because winning implies a destination. Winning implies good stuff and then bad stuff at the other end of the fence, for example. A little bit like life. What if you are not here to win your life? What if you are not here to impose your will on it? What if you're just here, just like at a theme park, to make some memories? to ride the ride, get some popcorn. Maybe it doesn't have to be this big deal where you have enforced your agenda and look, everyone, how cool I am. No, you're wearing mouse ears. Not very cool. That sombrero you bought at the Mexico Pavilion will never be worn again, will it? <laughs> Just take a minute. You know? What if life is not to be won? What if it's just to be experienced? There's something really important about that. What if my job as a spiritual person, and here's the point, boys and girls, what if my job as a spiritual person is not to have my ego gratified and not even to tell God what God ought to be doing, but rather just to be the kind of person where I know it when I see it. When you know love, when you see it. When you know the miracle, when you see it. When you know truth and justice and beauty and all that. When you know it, when you see it, because it's already here in a profoundly beautiful way. You are a lottery winner by virtue of who you are as a child of God. You are royalty. You just got to know it when you see it. And that is a different set of goals. Now, over the past weeks... We have been talking about some things that you can do, and I've given you steps, five steps every week. 20 things to do. What's wrong with this guy? That's a lot. And I certainly don't expect everybody to do everything. But if you take a minute and think about some of the things that we talked about, instead of zooming in on the individual steps, if you zoom out for a minute, you'll see that each of the steps kind of lines up. In other words, step one of every single week is about the same big idea. Step two of every single week is about the same big idea. Step three, step four, step five, the whole thing. It's really about just a few big ideas, kind of like your life. You can get mired in the details, but ask yourself, what's the big idea of your life? If someone were to examine the things you do all day and the things you talk about and think about and the things that capture your attention, what's the big idea of your life? Is it one you want or is it time to switch things up a little bit? But what I want you to know is that if you think about the big ideas that we have been working on, you're going to have a life where you're a little bit more ready for something amazing to happen to you. Ready? Ready. Here we go. The first big idea is make room. 
when you think about it. When we talked about prayer, for example, step one of the prayer process was make room where you can sit. I'm going to sit in the quiet, close my eyes, do whatever, light a candle, put on Enya if you want. I don't know. But make, so make some room. That's that first step. In the service part, it was go out and do something in the community, like we picked up garbage. Go make some room. The first big idea, the first virtue is make some room. Take a minute and think about what kind of thing you can do in your life to make room. And it can be something very, very concrete, like, you know what, I'm going to tackle that garage. <laughs> or, you know what, I'm going to decide that I don't have to be the last voice in every Monday morning business meeting. That's a make room thing, too. You know what? I'm going to make some room in my life. Think about what that might look like to make a little bit of room in your life. Hmm. That's the first big idea. And that's something that you do out in life. It's something that happens in your situation. The next step is let go. This is that same idea of cleaning up, but in relation to other people. If you remember, the second step of the prayer process is forgiveness. Every single part of this has to do with letting people be who they are instead of who you need them to be. If you're, there's somebody on your mind, you're praying about their happiness and their success and their healing, can you see them happy on their terms instead of on yours? Because you know what? I'm sorry, I love you, but you don't know best. You don't. And I'm a dad. That's hard for me to say, y'all. Because I actually do know best. No. I know that I don't. My kids remind me that I don't. And they're right. So can you pray about someone else's success, happiness, healing on their terms? Can you forgive someone on their terms? That's what let go means. And there are people who say, well, you know, I don't have anybody to forgive. I've done my stuff. Well, first of all, I forgive you for saying so. But also... You know what? Maybe there's something going on in the news. Can you let it go? Do the things you need to do. Show up on the city hall steps if you need to, but don't let it bother you. Show up. Do the thing. Let it go. Forgive. That's the second big idea is let it go. Now, these first two ideas have to do with making room, with taking out the trash, literally as well as figuratively. And that's great, but you know as well as I do that nature abhors a vacuum, right? What does that mean? You remember from high school? <laughs> nature abhors a vacuum. What that means is if you make room in the universe, something will fill that space. Okay, got it so far. That's like a C-minus answer to that science situation in high school. If you know that nature pours a vacuum, if you know that the universe will rush in to fill that space, and you also know that your life is what you agree with, if what goes on in your head and what goes on in your heart determines what goes on in your life, okay, well, let's put two and two here together. What happens if I manage to get rid of the dysfunctional situation, all the garbage in my house, whatever it is? If I'm able to take out the trash, but I keep thinking and acting the way that I always did, what's going to fill that space? Exactly the same stuff, which is why there's no geographical cure, for example, right? You know about that. So, where the first two big ideas, make room and let go, have to do with making space, now it's time to fill that space. And so the third big idea is identity. 
This is where you show the world who you are. Remember we had an exercise where you wrote down some stuff about what you think you're here to do. Or in the prayer time it was, okay, God, here's what I want. I'm praying about, it's okay to want the new car. It's okay to want that stuff. Just understand that that's not going to be the whole deal. Who are you? You know, and I understand that you don't know everything about it. You contain multitudes. Of course you don't know everything. You're never gonna. You are a beautiful, infinite child of God. I get it. But you know something about who you are. You know what you like. Maybe you just know what you don't like. That's a start. Who are you and who aren't you? The, the, this big idea, the identity big idea, the third big idea, it has to do with take some time to get in touch with what's true and not true about you. And take some time to share that with someone who's important to you. That's the big idea. Now, the fourth big idea is, it's not all about you. (laughs) The fourth big idea is openness. Because love happens according to your expectations. Have you ever seen a Nora Ephron film? Love happens outside of your comfort zone. And if you're the kind of person that bunkers in, you're never going to fall in love and you're never going to prosper. And it's not so comfortable after a while. Your comfort zone starts to feel like a submarine after a while, you know? Love happens outside of that. And so this fourth big idea, openness, is about how can I get to the place where I'm open to other answers? What does receptivity look like if I live it out? What can I do to get past what I'm comfortable with and into the idea where there's bigger answers? What can I do to be open? And then finally, the fifth big idea is see it done. In other words, agree with it. Remember, in prayer, this is the amen step. My name is Joe Blow, and I approve this message. Right? That's what happens at the end of every prayer time. Because your miracle can't happen unless it's okay with you. So can you see it done? Can you take a minute and imagine what would it look like if I was just happy? What would it look like if somebody loved me? What would it look like if I was able to just say the nice thing instead of being sarcastic and mean, whatever it is? What would it look like if I could pay the bills? What would it look like if my body worked the way that I wanted it to? You're not going to get there until it's okay with you to be there. How can I be okay with my miracle? How can I see it done? That's the fifth big idea. So, it's a lot, I know. We're going fast. 20 steps, all kinds of crazy tools, all kinds of things to do. And I must have you memorize all of those steps immediately, or no donut. No one's going to teach you how to work the new coffee maker. Oh, you should have seen the Ron Popeil presentation I gave this morning. It was amazing. Um, You know I'm kidding. Hopefully, though, I have given you some tools Hopefully, though, and if you weren't here for all, all of these, I invite you to go back and listen to some of the previous ones. They're on the podcast, and we stream them, and so on and so forth. There's ways to get the stuff we talked about before. But I'm not asking you to memorize that. What I'm asking you to do is think about adding some tools to your toolkit. So you might have a day where you're feeling a little bit waterlogged spiritually, and you go, you know what, I don't know who I am, but he talked about some ways to work on identity. You know what, I don't feel very close to people, so you know what, there was that thing about asking for a favor or giving somebody what I feel like I need 
There's a lot of tools that we worked on, and hopefully some of those will speak to you. Some of them won't, and that's okay. I don't need you to do all of those things every day. That's a long day. But here's what I do need you to do every day. The foundation of this process is prayer. So what I'm asking for you to do, and I don't think it's a big ask, given that you showed up at church. What I'm asking you for, for you to do every day is find some time to pray. Make it part of your daily thing. If you've got an app on your phone that has a to-do list, make something pop up every day. Write it on the post-it note on the mirror. Do whatever you need to do. Take a minute. I got a buddy that put a little sticker on his watch. So every time he looks at his watch, oh, I remember. Do what you got to do. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Just make some time to pray. And the question is, well, how do I pray? And yes, we talked a little bit about that, and I gave you some tools. And, and in a little while, I'm going to do a series about prayer where we break down the Lord's Prayer and go through it. There's a lot to talk about, and I'm excited about that. But the truth is, you don't got to memorize a whole bunch of things. Here's how you do it. You can talk to God like you're talking to a friend. Just take a minute every day. And it doesn't have to take long while you're waiting for the coffee to brew. Whatever it is, take a minute and talk to God like you're talking to a friend. Ask for help. Put it out there. Here's what I'm working on, God. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm chewing on. Here's what I need help with. Have there be talking and have there be listening. That's prayer. That's it. The rest will come to you as you need it to come to you. But do that every day because it will change you. That's the clear of the loud and clear equation. Pray. Okay, great. You got the clear part. What the heck am I supposed to do? You gave me too much and then not enough. What is it? Okay, calm down. Don't get crazy. It's all right. As I said, there's five big ideas. And just for this week, just this week, I want you to pretend like it's a juice detox or something. <laughs> just for this week. Why did he go there? I don't know. Just for this week, I want you to take some time every morning when you get up, when you're getting yourself together, when you're driving into work, maybe instead of listening to the morning zoo, because I swear it's the same jokes every day, whatever it is, take some morning time and think about those five big ideas. And every day, just this week, as a favor to me, which will in turn be a favor to you, find some little thing you can do for each of those five ideas. So remember, the first big idea, make room. What's a small thing you can do? Okay, I am finally going to clean out what's in the armrest of the car, even though it's horrifying. Take a minute. I'm going to take that bag of Goodwill that's been in the closet forever. I'm going to actually take it to Goodwill. Take a minute. There's something you can do that will take you 30 seconds. You know what? I'm going to sign up for the next beach cleanup, whatever it is. Commit to something. It can take you two minutes, 30 seconds, whatever it is. I'm not asking a lot. Make room. The second step is let it go. And remember, that's the forgiveness step. I think it may take longer than 30 seconds to really forgive someone, but let's start small. What if it's, you know what, today I'm going to work on just seeing them happy. And it's going to take a minute. I'm going to think about them happy. Today, I'm going to decide that that whatever it is doesn't bother me because that's between them and God. If they want to act that way, what do I care, for example? I know when I see this person at work, they're going to say that thing. It takes two to tango, man. I'm not going to be the other one. Not today. That's all. You don't have to be a jerk about it. In fact, that's beside the point, right? 
find something, some way to let it go. And the third step, the third big idea, the third virtue is identity. How can you figure out a little bit more about who you are and how can you show somebody else? Well, there's all kinds of ways. Can you share something with somebody you love? That's a big one. There's stuff you can share that you haven't. I know it because I can say that about myself too. What is it? And if that feels too big, ask yourself, you know what, that conversation that those people have when I talk to them, that joke that's kind of racist, that's not me. I'm not participating anymore. That's a step. It's a thing you can do. It's easy. Take two minutes to 30 seconds to do something that puts a stake in the ground about who you are and who you're not. Openness, the fourth big idea. How could you get out of your comfort zone today? Once again, it can be a big thing like, I love this person and they really want me to learn the electric slide and I don't want to. That's not personal. It's just true. No. Whatever it is. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's something simple like, you know what, I'm going to drive a different way to work every day because I realize that I am on autopilot. I could have hit a deer and not known it because I have no recollection of how I got to work today. How do I get off autopilot today? How do I get out of my comfort zone today? Because that's where God lives. That's where faith and trust and love and hope live, outside of what's your comfort zone. How do I get out of it? Big ways, little ways, you decide. But do something every day this week. Something small is fine. Don't wait for casual Friday. And then finally, see it done. Ask yourself, what does agreement look like to you? If I agreed with God, what would that be? Find something every day to do that. Now, a lot of little things. But notice what it's not. It's not a big goal. I'm not asking you to have a five-year plan. I'm just asking you to take baby steps. Jesus said, I want you to go tell everybody how amazing they are. He didn't say, here are the zoning plans for the building I want you to build. Never built a building. He didn't even tell the disciples, here's the words I want you to use. Here's the script for the sales pitch. He said, say what's on your heart. A vision, not a goal. Instead of having something that gratifies my ego, instead of having something in five years be how I think it is today, I don't want to be chained down to that. What if every day I was just a little nicer, a little wiser, a little more loving, a little more true? That's how the world gets changed. Something will happen when you let it that will remind you that all your goals don't matter much. Something will happen to break you open when the doctor puts a baby in your arms or when true love walks in the room and you know it. When that thing happens, you'll know that your plans for the future are fine but not all that important. What can you do in little ways to know it when you see it? You are already a lottery winner. You are already royalty. Miracles happen when you participate in them. See it in God. See it in you. Do something about it. And set the rest free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you.
Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.